So last week as we looked at the demand of discipleship and, and asked who is leading who, we kind of left part of the story untold. And growing up, one of my favorite things to hear come on the radio was Paul Harvey. And if you, if you know Paul Harvey, then you know that Paul Harvey would go and he'd tell an unheard portion of history and then he would say, And now you know the rest of the story. Or maybe you're not a Paul Harvey person. Um, there was also a podcast that I listened to a few years back. It was Micro, the guy that did Dirty Jobs on TV. And he did one called The Way I Heard It, where he would share a much like Paul Harvey, unknown portion of history about a familiar story, but a side of it that you may not have heard before. And he would always close out with, well, that's the way I heard it. And today, we're going to hear a story that many of us have probably heard before. In John chapter 4, what we hear is a story of Jesus going to the well, to Jacob's well. And he's tired from his journey. He sits down and he sees this Samaritan woman there and he says, will you give me something to drink? To which she responds, do you even know who I am? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for something to drink? And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is to ask you for this drink, you would have, uh, have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman doesn't understand. She says, God, you, you don't even have anything to draw water with, dude. What are you talking about? Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than Jacob? The one who gave us this well? Jesus answers, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become the spring of life, or the spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman says, Well, I want some of that water. Because I have to keep coming back and drawing water. And, and Jesus says, okay, fine, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man that you're married to now isn't even, or living with now isn't even your husband. She says, um, how can you know that? Are you some sort of prophet? And the woman, and he says, woman, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and truth. And she says, yeah, I know the Messiah is coming. I get it. When, when he comes, he's going to explain everything. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I am him. Now, this is the story that we know. We've, we've heard this story before. But now let us hear the rest of the story. Because in John chapter 4, verse 39 it says that many of the Samaritans from the town that believed in him 
because of the woman's testimony that he told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. This is the rest of the story, not just for the woman at the well, but the rest of the story as to what discipleship looks like. As we, as we hear the unfolding of what the gospel calls us to do, which is that disciples make disciples. Jesus calls his disciples to go, to do, to share, to create, to make and he does so in the Great Commission, which is a co-mission of, of us and God working in harmony with one another. This is our mission to do, to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them all over to the ends of the earth. If you're a United Methodist, you may know that our mission statement is make disciples for the transformation of the world. We are called, our mission is to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Now, if I was to ask you what is your local church's mission, you may, you may know it, you may not. You may not even have a defined mission statement for your local churches. I know some do not. But I would dare proclaim that all churches' mission is this. Disciples that make Disciples. Seeking to pass on what we have experienced. To see the exponential growth of discipleship. Now this mission, this challenge, is a warning against the way that the church for many years has operated. Because for many years the church has kind of fallen into this trap of, of just hoping that they will come to us. We'll do stuff here and maybe they'll show up. And if we only had some folks that showed up, if we only could find some good committee members and chairs that would show up, if we could only find those people that would give well and they would show up, then we'd be okay. But the call to be a disciple as set forth in the Great Commission and lived out with the woman at the well and the Samaritan woman is to go and do. To go and and make. The church is, is never meant to be stagnant, but active, going, doing, creating, sharing. The woman met Jesus, Jesus at the well. And after a conversation with him, was so overwhelmed with what she had experienced, that she went and shared her story with everyone that would listen. Why? Because she wanted all to know and get and experience what she had. And they're intrigued. Because, let's be honest, we live in a society, we live in a world that understands the power of story. You hear a story, you want to experience it for yourself. This is why when people and friends go on vacations and they come back sharing stories, you go, oh, I really want to go there and experience that. 
And so they find themselves drawn to what she is sharing. To what she has. So what does she do? How did she go about this? We live in a world that says, oh, we need to make disciple-making ideas. And we need to think this through. And I don't think we have to you know, reinvent the wheel because I think exactly what the woman at the well did is something that we as Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ can do today. Give them Jesus. Share our stories. Not just talk about Jesus, but start to live out and share Jesus with others. Showing the change that this encounter has made in your life. Become part of this story, the furtherment of God's kingdom here on earth. You see, the people are not drawn in by some argument or a perfectly constructed track that says, this is why you need to believe. They're not drawn in by some wonderful sermon with three points and a poem. They're not drawn in because somebody has this perfectly constructed case as to why they should believe, but they are brought in by, as Leonard Sweet would proclaim, an apologetic of aesthetic, meaning they are living out there, presenting Christ through the way that they live and through the way she lives. She's sharing the beauty of Christ. Gandhi is quoted as having this wonderful stance, I guess. It's not really a wonderful stance, if, depending on how you find yourself. But it says, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And I would dare say that there are many in our world today that would proclaim that same thing. Which raises a question, if we're honest. We can get mad and go, oh, how dare them be judgmental of me? Don't they know that I've got it figured out and they need what I've got? Or we can ask the question, be honest with ourselves. Are we presenting Christ? Can people see and experience the beauty of Christ in the way in which we live and love? As individuals? And can people see and experience the beauty of Christ through our churches? I've often asked this question, and I want us to be honest, that so often we find ourselves trying to preserve the institution that is our churches, our buildings and such, but I want to ask the question that if our churches cease to exist in our communities, what would really be lacking from the community? What would be missing other than the building? You see, I think Gandhi may have hit the nail on the head that many of us proclaim Christianity, but we do not look like Christ in the way in which we live. And when followers don't look like that which they claim to follow, it's a disservice and a misrepresentation of the leader. And so we have done a disservice to Christ by proclaiming to be Christians, but living in a way that does not exemplify the love and grace and mercy that he calls us to share. 1 Peter 3.15 says, 
in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. And I think some of us go, okay, I got that part. We also got the second part. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for your hope. We got that part too. We're ready to tell you why. Oh, we'll tell you what we're doing right and what you're doing wrong. But we lose sight of this third part that says to do so with gentleness and respect. Do so in the beauty of Christ. First Peter understands. The woman gets it. Uh, the, to fulfill the great commission is the call to live out the great commandment. Love God and love everybody else. It's a simple proclamation, but we have begun to make it more difficult than it has to be. We want people to be changed before they come to Christ and not allow Christ to change them as we introduce them to the story and tell them their place in the story is that we are a people that are in need of God's grace. The great commandment, the great commission, both are called to let the beauty of Jesus shine in and through us. To be Christ. To exemplify Christ in a world that so badly needs to see, hear, and feel His presence. To not just proclaim stories, but to live into the story that is still ongoing, which is the Scripture. You see, the, the, the Bible itself, we need to understand this, the Bible itself does not simply end. We are continuing to live out the Gospel. To share the good news. To proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. So as we take our place in the story, we invite others to enter in to the story, and we continue to make disciples, introducing people to Jesus Christ, showing them the beauty of relationship, the beauty of God, the beauty of the kingdom as we seek to act and interact with one another in gentleness, respect, love, grace, and mercy. So let us be a people that go forth seeking to pass it on, giving out what we have encountered, giving away what we have experienced that others may come to know. Amen. Amen.